Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of All Ball Chicago. I'm your co-host, Robert Bobby Reed, and I got the legend, the NBA veteran, the McDonald's All-American, your host, Marcus, living in the building. What's up, Marcus? What's up, my beautiful people? And we got a special legend in here today. We call him the gatekeeper of Chicago basketball from the 80s. Two-time champ with the Detroit Pistons. Turned it out at DePaul. One of the all-time leading scores in Dallas. Man, give it up for your man, Mark Aguirre, man. What's up, Big Ma? What's up, young folks? How y'all doing today, man? <laughs> man, we good, Mark. We good. We good. Okay. That's what I want to know. Yeah, I, we, we, we know uh, there's a lot of things been going on in the news and whatnot, and – and uh, and you're doing a lot of big things. And we had you on before. We know it was we couldn't get all the information out there at that one rip. We had to get you back. We might have to get you another time too. You know, because you can't you can't you can't talk about Chicago basketball without mentioning your name. You can't talk about Chicago basketball without mentioning Mark Aguirre, Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> you can't those two names are always the first two that come out of people's mouths. That, you, you got me. So let's let's jump right in, Mark, and talk about some of the, the things that's ha- that you've been seeing and hearing and going on in the media uh, with uh with the Draymond Green situation. Well, you know, I think um I think we have to reflect not not necessarily on, you know, sports itself you know i think we have to look at uh, our society as a whole you know i think uh, whenever you control like i think bobby and i talked about this yesterday it's actually uh, whenever you control the narrative you actually control what has actually been out there you know to the public about you know whether it's the team whether it's a uh, uh, a general manager whether it's a, a player whether it's you know no matter no matter who it is um, uh, someone uh, controls the narrative. And I think that as athletes and as basketball players, and as just athletes in, in general, that um, uh, once you uh, continue to put something out there, whether it's a lie or not, it turns some people into thinking that it's actually true. And there's no way we can fact check those things. So um, uh, that's become a, a, a huge problem. Uh, I hope the NBA looks at it because it's not only a huge problem to uh, us as athletes, it's a problem to uh, franchises, meaning that uh, sometimes you can downgrade your value because you know, Lib, you know, while you've seen this, that if I continue to downplay a guy, um, his trade value gets to be, you know, goes lower, you know, because teams don't know if they want to touch him or not. You know, it even affects you if you're in your last year to get another contract because a team will negotiate saying, well, you know, this guy had this wrong with him and that wrong with him. So now it affects you, you know, financially because the narrative and have um, uh, been going a different way from you and we can't really fact check it, you know, or we don't have a, a, a way to um, control the narrative. So it's, it's, it's an issue. It's really an, an issue. Yeah, and Mark, I I agree with you 100%, man. And do you think back then uh, when you were playing, 
did the owners have a lot to do with what was going on with who they choose to be in the organization, meaning the players, or was it the general managers? You know, because it seems now like the owners are more involved than who, what player they want. Well, you know, I think that there are different owners. You know, there are different owners. There are some owners who want to be, uh, 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 you know, uh, involved, extremely involved, you know, and, um, you know, they'll have a say. I'm quite sure they meet with their executive staff and they discuss these things. Uh, but out of those conversations uh, ends up what the narrative is, you know, and what they're trying to do. But um, once that is decided, um, we ha we no longer have control. I mean, we talk about, you know, uh, lie or truth. We talk about, um, you know, uh, our president, uh, Biden winning the, uh, the electoral ele winning election. So if enough people say he didn't, some people are going to believe that, you know, and that's the deal. I lost live. I think I lost. Oh, no, you're back. You're back now. Am I? Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, the owners have something to do with it, but then everybody's, you know, jockeying for position because the GM that picked you, um, if he picked you high and uh, you don't turn out to be that, he has to cover his behind at that point, you know, saying that, well, you know, uh, I need for this guy to succeed, you know, but um, if you don't, then there's the guy that behind you saying, okay, he made the wrong pick, you know, and uh, I put one of my best friends, uh, uh, Magic Johnson, into the conversation, meaning that he sought LeBron and he took a hit for him not, you know, uh, finishing that deal off. Uh, but we have no idea what was behind the reins. You know, some people can throw bombs in your, your plan in order to position themselves. Uh, to be in a better place, so you know it's it's all about the transparency, you know, in in the in the uh, action. And um, right now, uh, there's no transparency, and as players, we don't have uh, the ability to even get into the conversation about the narrative or what it will be. We can't even get in the conversation. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a point where we uh, we um, you know. We, 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 we got to be able to ask both. And I think uh, like I expressed yesterday to uh, Bob, Adam Silver has done a beautiful job. And for the value of both, I think that there ha this has to hit the table at the Players Association along with the NBA so there can be some cover for both. Because, I mean, players can actually screw a franchise up too. You know, mm -hmm. just like it can go both ways. So, you know, I, I, I'm just my humble opinion. I think that there has to be a way where we can um, we can actually um, uh, come to uh, some type of agreement where, you know, the narrative doesn't hurt either right. one player or the, or the franchise. Right. You, yeah, because I was watching and listening to what happened with uh, Draymond, not Draymond, uh, uh, Drummond. Uh, he was ready to get in the layup line, and then so all of a sudden, someone pulls him to the, you know, the side and says, "You need to go change. You know, you're not you're not playing tonight because you know we we're trying to trade you. Uh, that's an embarrassment, you know, to your family, you know, uh, actually to the organization for doing it that way. I mean, if they know they were trying to trade him, don't you think they could have went about it a, a totally different way? Well, you know, you, you, you're absolutely right, Marcus, you know, uh, and I go back to uh, when I was on the block and I was getting ready to get traded. And here's a, 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 a scenario of the narrative is that they I was in the layup line doing layups and the exact same thing happened to me. But the narrative came out or somebody threw it out that uh, Mark faked an injury. And I had no way to protect myself. Now, what do I look at, like at that point? It was actually put out. You can go look at your history books. It was said publicly that the reason I was taken out, that Mark faked an injury, you know, and um, I know you guys have too much respect for the game. You know, I've always said, I mean, I've probably missed, you know, one game a year, my whole career, maybe two games. Wow. A year. I didn't miss games. You can go check my, how I played. 
I didn't miss games. I never missed a game. You know, I respected the fact that people come in here, you know, and especially in our community, this is probably their only time to buy a Maverick ticket because it costs too much. So mm-hmm. one game they come to see me, I can't take off. You know, they, they, right. might not, they might not be able to purchase another ticket, you know, and these are you know, people who followed me and, you know, believe in me. And, you know, if I can get on the court, you know, and I was really happy that uh, a few of my teammates in Detroit uh, really backed me up on the fact of, you know, the things that I gave them there, uh, that I wouldn't do that. But that's that narrative. That narrative, it came out that Mark faked an injury and they ran with it. And I, wow. had, no way, I had no way to protect myself. I mean, that's what came out, that I faked an injury in the layup line. You can go check it. In the, in, the, in the layup line? Man, I hurt in the layup line, man. <laughs> you know, that, that is crazy. nothing I could really do, you know, so I, I, I had to um, adjust myself to that and deal with it, you know, I just had to deal with it, you know. Hey, let me real quick, Mark, Lib had a similar experience, Lib, you were telling me about uh, when you got traded, right, Lib? Yeah, I'm, to, to uh, I was being traded, I told this story too before on, um, on the podcast, I was actually headed to the game, we was, Denver was about to play, I think Minnesota. And I get the call. I'm in the car, Mark, about to drive to the gate. Bernie Biggestaff calls me and says, uh, man, uh, what, what you doing? I said, I'm, up, I'm on the highway ready to come to the game. He said, uh, you can turn back around. We uh, just traded you to Detroit. And I'm like, what? He said, yeah, we just traded you to Detroit. Uh, expect a call from Detroit. And then you'll probably be leaving out the night to go play in Detroit. I'm like, Man, is this how they do it? <laughs> you know, but you know, I understood it was a business, man. But it, it's crazy how they, how they, how they do things and how they go about things. Man. And I, that's the only thing I think we they need to do a better job. Maybe they can put something like this in the collective bargain agreement of how they can make this a smooth transition on both ways. You know, because what you said, Mark, was. You was all about playing. You you wanted to give the fans what they paid for. They came to see a superstar play. I'm gonna go out there and play. But this generation, you know, they seem to say, you know what? If I'm if I'm not feeling right, I'm not playing. You know. <laughs> but you and me, we gonna play through those little knickknack injuries. So what do you think about that? Well, you know, I, the era, and I think, I, like I said a minute ago, both sides. There need to be some clear and defined um, uh, directions that you can go, that you have to follow, you know, and and that will clear up a lot of that. You know, it's it's good it's coming up now because I know Adam Silver, like I say, I really respect him. And he's not, he doesn't go on the owner side, he doesn't go on the player side, he protects the NBA in its whole. And um, this, this, this is something that needs to come on the table, you know, it really needs to come on the table because you know, uh, we're both benefiting from, you know, this this lovely game that we play. So let's protect it, you know. So I hope that he um, he uh, looks at that, and I think the Player Association will look at that, you know. But, I mean, I'm so concerned about the narrative that comes out more than anything because, you know, you know me from Chicago, I mean, and here in Dallas, everybody knows me from Chicago. Like I told uh, Bob, I've had a couple of different sports uh, writers and sports casters actually come to me now later after the game and apologize to me for things that they had written about me, you know, and, uh, you know, and I thank God for that because I'm, I'm, I'm nowhere near the individual that they portrayed me to be. I'm not that, you know, um, right. a lot of they can't portray about me. I was very vicious on the court. I was, you know, I, I went to kill and destroy. And um, <laughs> yeah, and doing that, I could see how you, you could kind of use that narrative because there wasn't nothing smiling and playing with me. And, you know, and I got on my TV all the time, like, look, I'm trying to accomplish something. You know, you, you can't come out here playing like that, you know. And um, so I could see how you could move the narrative. And in Draymond's case, I can see how they can move in there because he's demonstrative sometimes. You know? 
he's very he's very you know so if you said something you could see okay well draymond might be like that you know but in actuality you know draymond you know i want a player like that i want a player that's a little on the edge dennis rotman was on the edge you know mm-hmm. he's on the edge but he was a beautiful person so you mm-hmm. know let's not let that that little narrative go out and just destroy people who actually loved him, you know, and loved what he did, you know, as an individual. That hurts the franchise, you know. So right now, I think even with Draymond, even with uh, uh, um, Drummond, um, it puts a bad situation out there between both the teams and the players. So, I, you know, I just hope that they uh, kind of figure that out, you know, because that's yeah. just not- not a good thing, man. Not a good thing at all. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I agree with you. And I I just think, man, that players, you know, should be able to voice their opinions. I do think they should be able to do that. And we don't see that a lot. And I know Charles, I know Charles Barkley chimed in and said something that he's not on a winning team. He can't say this. Like, well, what's the difference? If I have an opinion, it doesn't it doesn't matter if I'm winning or losing. What do you mean he's not on a winning team? <laughs> Yeah, yeah he, said he, yeah, he came out and said that, man, that, you know, he's not winning now, so he, he better be quiet. <laughs> I missed that, Liv. Yeah, no, it's you go, you can go look it up, man. He they, they said uh he said that, you know, when he when you was winning, you know, championships at you know Golden State, you have the right to say something. But now he's basically saying you better be quiet before they trade you or get rid of you. Well, you know what? I think that's okay. what we have to stand. You know, you have to make a stand at that point. You know what I'm saying? That the narrative isn't just directed to um, a player. You know, that's that's all over the place. I mean, there people can make up things about Charles. You know, there's you know, not so far as on the court or playing, they can make things up about Charles. Anything, and no right. one wants. Yeah, forget about sports. No one wants false claims there about them. No, he doesn't want it either. So it's not about me being in the NBA and me playing for it. It's about you actually being able to control the narrative of something about me, whether it's sports, whether it's about, you know, uh, anything. You know, I, I, he got he to back up off that. You know, I mean, I love Charles, but, you know, um, uh, our country right now is built on, you know, uh, false claims. You know, everything comes out as false claims. Yeah. We talk about our governor who said he was going to Cancun to take his children to Cancun while we're in this crazy thing down here. People are dying, you know, and and you come out with this false claim. No, no, it's not false claim. You were going to Mexico with your kids to have fun in the sun while people are in Texas dying, you know, freezing, had their kids out in cars and things like that. You know what I'm saying? You know, um, it's it's not just about, you know, if I'm winning. So if I'm winning, you can lie. Right. If I'm right. winning, I get to tell a lie. Or you can tell a lie on me if, if I'm winning. But if I'm not winning, I got to set up and let you say anything you want about me, you know, if I'm not winning. So, you know, that's a little scary. You know, you can't. That's not something that, uh, you know, you got to look at it in the right way. And I think LeBron is really looking at it in the right way. Me personally. I mean, I might have a few bumps and bruises in there, but I think over a whole, you know, um, you, you know, that being able to say anything. And if you say it enough, people start believing it, you know, and so far as the NBA, I, I just don't I just don't see where that's benefiting that I don't see where that's benefiting anybody. Not at all. That and that's just uh, I'm correct on that. You said governor, but you was talking about the senator, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Yeah, I'm talking senator. About Thank you. Yeah, because, yeah, because somebody had wrote it on our timeline, so I want to make sure we got that clear. Right. So I'll, I'll get screwed up every now. <laughs> <laughs> they all the same, man. Liv, check this out. I played this for Mark yesterday. I want you to peep this, and I want to tell you, uh, it was something that we talked about about, about this. Check it out. 
Okay, so Lynn, everybody on that commercial is in the hall. Except except draws. Was it anybody on that had better numbers than you, Mark? That's in there. I think Larry did. I think Larry he was about did. the only one that had prolific numbers like you had, right? Uh, probably. I have to check it. I'm not gonna right. check it. Yeah. <laughs> what you say, Lid? Yeah, but well, I mean, you know, we talked about we talked about this before uh, about Mark. Uh, being in the Hall of Fame, and, and I, I'm just one of those believers, man. If you do what you're supposed to do on that court, and you you win, and you doing scoring titles, and you a you know good dude on that court, and and you should be in the Hall of Fame. And just like uh, what's the uh, the big fella name, Mark, uh, who who got the one and done, went to the you know the Senate, and, and got the one and done, Spencer Haywood. Yeah, he yeah. didn't. He didn't get into the oh, Hall right. of Fame until he didn't get into the Hall of Fame until later. You know, and I'm like, what is going on? You know, well, look you get the, look at the narrative that was behind Spencer Haywood. You know, look at it. You know, Spencer Haywood was looked at as a good guy. You know, and then you can flip it over to I know some people in the NBA are straight jerks, but the narrative on them was. He's a good guy, and they are jerks, you know. So uh, you, you can't control that. I mean, the only reason I'm not in the Hall of Fame is not numbers. It's because what was written about me during my time here in Dallas. That's the only thing because, you know, uh, I don't think you could go to a player or you could actually go to an honest GM when you looked at it when Dallas made its rise. There are a lot many that there, – there are some in the Hall of Fame now that – if you want to say team, that didn't carry their team like I carried our team. Our team became a force in the NBA. There are Hall of Famers, if you want to go that route, <clears throat> that team never got out the basement. Right. They never got to the second round. You know, so it's only the narrative that was produced around me that kept me, that, that, that keeps me from getting the Hall of Fame. You can't go to numbers. You can't, you can't go to winning. You, you can't go to sacrifice in order to win. You know, I check all those boxes. You know, the only box that I can't check is the fact that the narrative that was around me uh, was spread all through the NBA as me being, you know, a bad guy. And uh, in my whole career, that's the only thing that, uh, that disturbs me. Not the fact that I'm not in the hall, the fact that they they put out and you know a lot of people watch me back then uh, uh when they hear those things constantly and constantly you know uh and i don't have any platform to protect myself and i am not the individual that they portray me to be i'm not that and then they went on to you know poison teammates you know um now that they're older there have been videos come out you know to kind of say that I was like that, but, you know, I'm not on that platform anymore. So it's not going out, you know, like that. I mean, they, right. you know, the team actually, I think gave them a script. Of, oh, damn. The team went in and put them all in a room and said, Mark has been traded. This is what we're saying, this is what we're going to say, and this is what we're not going to say. So they were controlling the narrative that way by telling my teammates what they have to say and they'll all tell you yeah that that happened you huh. know, so you know um uh, yeah I, I that that's probably the only reason i'm not in the hall of fame I can't say on the court numbers you know you got to get double because mark because mark i want to i want to say i know this probably facts you know chicago public school illinois hall of fame as a high school you are in 
college, I'm assuming, Hall of Fame player. Oh, yeah. Now, nothing was said negative about you being a a-hole or whatever it was. High school, you had teammates that loved playing with you. Uh, college, you you took a DePaul team and and put them on the map and did a lot of great things and got them to the final four. Uh, nothing was being said about you, you know, being a bad person. So why right. all of a sudden you get to the NBA and now you are a bad person? Well, you know, I have to bag up Liv, you know, and I think I told you, um, yeah, is that, uh, you know, coming out of college is a big thing. You know, because NBA, NBA teams are trying to invest a lot in you. And um, I found out that, um, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to hurt anyone or put anyone in a bad position, but I know it to be true. I found out that one of my coaches, my assistant coaches on the DePaul, DePaul team had um, uh, said some things uh, about me in college that I was hard to deal with. Um, and that's the, and those things started to stick. Uh, wow. Yeah, saying that I was, uh, what did they say? I don't know, it, there was something, I, I mean, it's so far along, it's something, but basically it was a negative uh, about me as being a player. It was about, uh, you know, you couldn't figure me out or something. Mm, right. And it was hard to coach. And I tell you, what I really think happened is that, you know, I'm a young kid, but I'm a student of the game. And Ray Meyer loved to teach. And he knew I wanted all the information I could get about mm -hmm. the game. Uh, my, my, uh, at DePaul, after my last class, uh, one of my, requirements by Coach Ryer is that I come spend an hour with him and we would watch from Bill Russell to Oscar Robinson to Bill Bradley to um, we would watch all these guys play and he would teach me every day about what are they what they're doing what they're looking at what makes them run and it had got to a point where I knew his offense so well and I knew what he wanted uh, and you probably could see it on the film somewhere, but before I went out, he told me I want to talk to you every time before you go out on the floor. And his, his idea was, I didn't know what I was doing. He was like, what do you see? Right. And the offense ran through me, and I knew it so well. I didn't know what he wanted, but I knew it so well. He said, okay, so the guy's coming from that way to double team, and they set up like that. Okay, so that's <laughs> double team the guy in the far corner is your object you know and i think one of the coaches uh really like, they weren't happy at the fact that i just said coach that guy's not open you're telling us to do this i'm just following his rule uh, he told this guy to do this and one of the coaches might have said you know well let's get the ball in the corner and i was like when we come out there i say coach that guy's not open because I see this guy rotating down there. And then he say, okay, I got it. And then he would change the play. So if he did that so many times, I can see how it would affect one of our assistant coaches, like saying, well, geez, he's asking Mark, you know, about that. But I was a kid. I'm just doing what my coach said, you know, before you go. Right. Because the ball's in my hand, you know. So if the ball's in my hand, I have to be on the same spot. Just like the point guard, coach always told the point guard, look, this is what he did with me. But um, uh, that came out of uh, our coaches that, uh, you know, yeah. So now there's another scenario where you're saying that I have no control over that. You know, when we were in practice, Coach Meyer used to convert, con you know, he had conversations with me about what's going on, you know. and But, but I did my work. I sat with him every day. I knew his offense like, you know, I can't say like he knew it, but I knew it like. Like the back of your hand, huh? Yeah. Right. I, I can say, you know, what they're going to do. They're going to double the So, Coach, if you dive that guy right there, that other guy in the corner is going to be open because he has to pick him up. Okay, Mark, I like that. So, you know, I, he just wanted to – I was a 
I, I was just a man in the middle. I, I just thought I was doing what I was supposed to do in order to help the team. But there was a little jealousy back there because Coach Meyer believed in what he was teaching, and he knew I would follow it to the letter. So you know, um, it, you know, it's it's that's a narrative thing too. So he put that out, and now I go into the I go into the bad guy. Oh, I had my flair. You know, I had a lot of where I was, right. playing, you know, do that Chicago thing, you know, like, right. you know, not only did I just dunk on you, <laughs> no, I don't, you know, so I had a little, you know, I had a few things like that. Hey, hey, Levi Cobb asked, he wanted to ask you a question. <laughs> Levi Cobb said, do you Cobb, think, man, I want Levi Cobb. <laughs> <laughs> He said, do you think that too much power is given to voters and not players and coaches? Too much power is given to who? Power given to voters. Is, is, is that as far as getting into the Hall of Fame? Uh, right. You know, I don't I don't really know much about that. You know, and I think that what I do think is that um it can be uh, you know, we, we don't get to go out and um you know, uh, like a presidential race and go out and have rallies and make ourselves look. <laughs> so if uh, if uh, a guy is voting and he can vote and all these guys are kind of on the same team and the narrative coming out of the franchise is negative and all these guys are being paid by they have to keep the franchises happy. So, right. Yeah, they got to keep them happy, you know, so um, they can be persuaded uh, a certain way, you know. Right. I don't know how you fix it, but, you know, in my scenario, I was, uh, you know, uh, I wasn't um, allowed to voice myself, you know, and one thing that I was going to do is that I never want to hurt anybody, but I didn't want to see any injustices uh, on our team because, see, um, we were a model franchise, but we made quite a few mistakes, you know. And um, when I was told that, uh, uh, let me back up, when I was told that um, uh, uh, Kiki Vandeway didn't go to the franchise the year before me, I think you know that, Liv. You know that, Liv? Wow. He anyway refused to go to Dallas. Wow. Yeah, he refused to come to Dallas to play. And then I was next year's pick. So I had a concern about that. And I talked to the owner and I was like, you're asking me to spend my first five years just build, taking a risk, just building this franchise up. And that's a risk. And I say, I'd like to know who I'm going to play with or even have a suggestion of who I want to play with. And that was supposed to be between me and him. I think it was. I don't think he ever traded. So um, we uh, we had an opportunity to draft Joe Dumars, Carl Malone, and somebody else in the same draft. Wow. Yeah. To us. And uh, when we left, uh, I actually went on vacation, and uh, from our uh, uh, war room, that's who we were going to draft. You know, I got a lot at stake here. You know, because I could have did what I could have did what Kiki Vandeway did. Hey, no, I'm not coming to Dallas. But I liked Dallas. I liked Dallas. I liked our owner, Donald Carter. You know, um, I like the city. I love the city. You know, so uh, okay, I'm, I'm gonna do this Dallas thing. I could have just said nope. Uh-uh, I'll sit out and wait for the next draft or trade me. I could have did the same thing. Because this is a beginning franchise. That's hard, man. Not many make it, you know, at the beginning. Right. So um, I said, okay, let's do it. But I really want to have a little bit of say. Or ask me about who, we want to play, who I would like to play with or what do I think. And uh, I thought it was a no-brainer when you said Carl Malone. We, matter of fact, Carl Malone and I played together in the summer league down here mm -hmm. i didn't go back to chicago and stayed that summer to play with carl 
He lived in Dallas. He thought he was getting drafted by Dallas. I thought he was getting drafted by Dallas. Uh, was in uh, Nacogdoches, right down the street, down the street. I drove to see Joe play when I was in the NBA. I drove to see him, and I was like, "Man, if we could get that guy and that guy." I was like, man, Lakers, y'all got to watch out, you know. Right. Yeah, and um, it was devastating because after I left, those were, if they're available, those were our, draft, our top draft pick. And at the end of the day, we drafted, you know, who, who, you know good, bad player. One of them wasn't a bad player. One of them wasn't a very good player. But uh, we drafted Bill Whittington and Uwe Block. Whoa. <laughs> I remember both of them. Bill Whittington and Uwe Block, though we, we did those picks with the Carl Malone, Joe Dumars. Mm. You know, so, uh, yeah, that was that was a mistake. That was a mistake. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not trying to throw anybody on the bus, but it was a huge mistake. So, you know, I had my reservations about where our franchise was going, you know, but they made some good picks, you know, which uh, he let me back in. And the kid uh, from Michigan, uh, Roy Tarpley. Mm, yeah. And the other kid, uh, great player. I love him to death. We played one-on-one every day, and he became hard to deal with in our one-on-one games with Detlef Shrimp. Oh. Ain't hard to deal with, you know. So um, um, kind of let me back in, but, um, you know, um, a franchise has the power, man. Franchise has the power, but we, I mean, as players, but we have to be respectful because I think a lot of players use their position too much. You know, they use their position too much and they kind of have the franchise leery of. LeBron uses his right. I think if I was to pick anybody, he uses his right because he looks at the entire game, you know, and um, he looks at the franchise first. Because it's going to help him. You know, so uh, there's a balancing act that has Yeah, Mark, I uh, I got another one I want to ask, you know, and Bob, you can chime in too. Uh, the Europeans. Yeah. You have Europeans that's in the Hall of yeah. Fame. Yeah. And I look at it as, you know, I know we talk about the narrative of how people put stuff out about certain people, but a lot of times, you know, some of these Europeans don't belong in there. They, well, I'm know, just gonna, I'm gonna call it like it is. Well, see, yeah, I, I appreciate it, but when you look at it, I think looking at it like this is that if you ask a voter, what him does not belong to the Hall of Fame, you, you have no answer. You have no answer whatsoever. So I understand Europeans, and you know, and I'm not a guy that uh, I look at it from the other way, meaning that what him does not belong in the Hall of Fame, meaning that there are a lot of guys I see in the Hall of Fame. You go play good four out of your eight years, you can't get in the Hall of Fame. There are some guys I can look in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he had three, four, maybe years have to be dominant through your career, you know, every day. I mean, some of these guys, they're dominant, but they don't make their teams better. Did he make his team better? Okay, no, you got, you was in the first round of the playoffs, you're gone. These are things I thought make you, you know, uh, did you take your team up to where they were a part of the dominant group in your era? And a lot of these guys in the Hall of Fame, you know, didn't get out of the second round, you know, didn't get to the second round, you know, so hold on. How, how does he get there? And he, he didn't take his team to Hall of Fame status, you know, um, you know, uh, it, I thought those were the things, you know, and then your numbers are good for three years and you end up averaging <laughs> 16 and you get to Hall of Fame, how you, you know, how you get to Hall of Fame, you know. Let me hop in. Can I hop in, big fella? Okay, what killed it for me with the hall was uh, once they put Vladdy Debark in there. I was done, dog. I'm done. When he get in there for flopping, I mean, come on, that's floppy Debark. 
Okay. Bro, you calling wow, you calling you calling them out, dude. You calling them out. <laughs> call them out, man. Vladdy Divac not a hall. Nah, I'm not. He might be in the hall back at the crib, but check it out. Levi Cobb said he wanna hop back on here with you, Mark, talking about the global game. So I just wanted to throw that in there real quick. But Vladdy Divac killed it for me with the hall. Straight up. So all I wanna do with you guys, man, I think it's uh you know, I do a lot of different podcasts and I'm opening it up, you know, I'm gonna open it up to guys who want to debate, you know, not who the GOAT is. I want right. to talk about things that, you know, at the end of the day, it, 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 it involves the next group, how you're supposed to, how you should think, you know, what's in front of you, you know, how to react, you know, I want to stimulate the way they think and then eliminate a lot of different bumps and bruises that could come with you you know and i've um i've uh, kind of uh made that my uh goal in chicago you know like the little kid kid of illinois right now i am so proud of him not io but by the way he transitioned into it when i first got him at morgan park he was rough around the edges you know and we had a lot of talks about you know, the way you approach practice and the way you look at it, even the way you treat your teammates, you know, that's a big part of what you're doing. You know, you got to earn that respect amongst your teammates and, you know, to show them how to earn respect. You don't scream at teammates to earn respect. They watch you, they watch you there all the time. They watch you, you know, execute. They watch you lift them up. And let me tell you, when I watch him on, when I watch him now, man, and I see little incidents happen and I see him and I see him execute his, you know, relationship as a leader on that team and not I'm the leader just by the way he does his thing. Man, I'm so proud of that kid, man. I'm like, you know, everybody's going to be glad to have you, you know, so, I, you know, that's my goal as exists right now. And our young kids, man, they're being fed stuff and they are the golden child and this yeah you can be golden child but let's talk about the responsibility that come with being a golden child you know that means you know all this stupid stuff you're doing you know and mark hey mark i think i think what you just said brother um we need to make it happen um with all the knowledge that we have been coming you know we're coming on all ball chicago levi dropped some knowledge just the other day and now you just said what you said, man. I think we need to get we need to get the shorty on, man. We need to get Zeke on, man. Like with you three talking Liv. about basketball, giving it back. Live. What I really want to do with you guys is that you know, um, uh, is that we all talk about the knowledge. We all talk about things that we should uh, do to our young people and all of that. Is that um, you know, I want to be with you and I want to challenge them in like on a platform like yours. It doesn't matter what platform. And if you guys could do it, uh, we can send out, um, uh, uh, invites, you know, we find, we can find out who they are invites and we need to have a zoom and then create the fact that. You know, we ain't on here to talk about how great we are. We ain't on here to right. talk. We don't here to talk about you know what's wrong, what's wrong. What we're here to talk about is saying that we need to create where we can touch our kids and have a platform. Meaning that what I really like to do, and I'm talking to Isaiah about it, and uh, we're trying to have our champagne bring in other sponsors. Is that uh, we need to create a place where they can mm. meet and we need to come back. Meaning that, you know, I seen Derrick Rose coming back. I mean, I see Michael Finley coming back, but we're spattered out there. So, okay. you know, so meaning that, um, I think Bob knows that, uh, I created a court on this, uh, with the gentleman on the, um, on the uh, South side in Inglewood, right in the middle of it. And we fenced the court in, and I, I sent out a video about, and um, you're required to do certain things inside that court. And I put it in the neighborhood. I didn't take it and put it 
out somewhere. This mm-hmm. in the neighborhood, bought a lot, created the lot, fenced the lot in, and then the actual community takes care of the lot. That means they take turns. It's a walking track around the lot where you have families. I sent the video out. I'm going to try to send it to Bob where now they have taken ownership and live. It's too many kids for it. And they got kids on film, man. They, they moms feel good about sending them down here to be safe because they right down the block. They five right. over and they can be safe. But the great part about it is that, you know, we have adults acting right. It ain't about the game. It ain't about adults acting right. Who do kids, who do they mimic? They mimic adults. So the people that come in, you know, Mr. James lived down the street. He got trucking company. He come down there and hang with the kid. They know Mr. James. So not that we have to be the uh, uh, models. Mr. James is a model too, you know? Right. But I need the fact that, you know, not you one day, not you one day. I need uh, I need the fact that Isaiah and I are going to talk about this, is that we create that atmosphere, all right, for them. So they have a safe place to play. Right now, I'm going to send you guys some videos that, Kids are out there at 6 a.m. in the morning waiting for them to open the gate Ooh, to let them play ball. There was 54 teams tournament. There was 270 that tried to get in the tournament. All these wow. kids are off the street, man. Right. And what I'm saying That's is that they off the street, man. They 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 play from sun up to sundown. You know, and I'm I'm like, okay, so. All I want to do is get on a Zoom, show the guys what's going on. And, you know, all of us that went through our things, we all made money. And I'm saying is that this is not a money grab. You can see the court, you know, and you see the, 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 the you see what happens when the court, when it's secure, it's open. Mom next door are hanging out their window because their kids are right over there playing on the court, which Mr. James, Mr. Anderson, Miss Sibley, all of them are in the are in the court. You know, kids are acting right. They're learning from adults because they want to be there. You know, all the game bangers, Mark, I know what you're doing down there. Listen, man, we look, we love that. We ain't coming your way. You know, what I'm saying is I'm talking to the gang bangers. I'm talking to all the boys that supposedly doing wrong things. They talk to me. They say, Mark, we ain't gonna we ain't gonna mess with that, man. We want that to, we want our kids coming there. So you know, it ain't the perfect way, but I have proof and evidence of it works. Deny that kids coming in every day, respectfully playing basketball and getting off the street to come down there and play basketball every day, the whole entire summer. So, but the key is, is that I put it next to a home and all homes are on the block. And these two blocks, these two lots right here just have a court on it where the surrounding kids, they come over there every day and play ball. You know, so I would love to get to a point where I'll send you the thing and we'll find guys and I'll invite them to Zoom and you'll invite them. This is where we came up, Lib. This is where we grew up. I don't know if it's going to work. This one's working. Right. I bought two more lots. You know, we're going to do those. So uh, it works. You know, it absolutely works. And all I'm trying to do is uh, you know, give a safe place for kids to play. You know, that's all I'm trying to do. You Let's know, do so. it, man. Hey, I'm in. Let's do it. Well, we got enough uh, emails to say, guys, do it. And ain't nobody trying to take no money out of your pocket. This takes, uh, shoot, it'll probably take, how many players you got? $500 a player. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It might take that, you know, to do, you know, 20 courts. I'm working with the, uh, Local alder, aldermen, alder, aldermen to mm-hmm. make sure that we do it right. And um, I got them on video. They love it, man. But um, I'm going to send that to you. And uh, okay. I just want guys to say, look, you know, this is not a pie in the sky. Kids are out there playing every day. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on it until I don't care. I'm going to just stay on it because I know right now what we've done with the last kids. The last two years, three years, the kids' lives been changed because they can go down the street and play ball. 
Yeah. So I didn't mean to be long, man, but you know. No, man, shoot. It's perfect, Mark. And that and let's talk a little bit about, you know, some of the uh some of your business ventures that you I know you're doing, you know, that, but you and Isaiah have this this champagne. Yeah, well Isaiah, it's bubbly. Yeah. <laughs> well Isaiah did. <laughs> The guy that he is, you know, Isaiah is always looking for stuff. I really appreciate him for that. He uh, he out there looking for stuff. And uh, this one became pretty unique. Uh, first, it's um, it's, uh, it's a champagne. And if you know things about champagne, is that top champagnes, the ones that people know, the Cristal, the Vuvu, the Dom Perignon, when they're rated, they have a rating number, and most of them are rated 93, 94, and nobody controls that. And we are rated a 94, so we're rated with the top champagnes in the world, but it's black-owned. And now, now it's the fastest-growing champagne in the country. So, you know, not like you saying that, you know, because we're African-American, we got something that's not a quality. But one thing that we did do is that um, we have made a deal with the uh, growers. So we owned, we don't own, you can't own uh, a land in Champagne because it only comes from the Champagne region, which is only so big. If it's wow. not from the Champagne region, it's got to be called sparkling wine. Champagne ah. region. Anything outside of that is called sparkling wine. So we have champagne reason. And I, I'm going to put a little joke in it. Um, you all know Denzel in the, uh, what is it, uh, American Gangster? You know right. that, that movie where he said, man, I want to go over there to where it come from. You know, he said, right. yeah. I'm yeah. So what we did was like, rather than, um, you know, going through those routes, we went over there. Well, Isaiah went over there, I must say, I can't think of it. And we secured the grapes for the next hundred years. We don't own the land, but we secured all of the grapes for the next hundred years. So now yeah. we can bring 100% champagne over here. Now you say, if you look on the bottom bottle, some of them it'll say 30% uh, Pinot grape, some of them say 60%. We're the only ones that bring over 100% Pinot Noir grape, 100%. We don't add sugar to it. We don't add sulfate to it. So the taste is magnificent. It's a magnificent taste. And no, I haven't had anybody that didn't like it, you know, so. And what's the name of it again? What's the name of it? I think Bob has it. You can put it on S-H-E-U-R-L-I-N, Shalon, Shalon Champagne. Yeah, it's Shalon Champagne. Bob, you got, you got, you got it? So, so our viewers can see it. I don't know if he can put it. Hold on. I got it right here. Yeah, but, um, you know, I think I'm really trying to... I was to trying to uh, set the backdrop for it. Sorry about that, Mark. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm really trying to set that up, and then I'm going to see that, Mark. Each one of us, like you know people in Chicago that's dealt with you. Yeah, there it is, yeah. Uh, you know people... Is that my champagne? You putting something else up there, man. That looks like a forty. That looks like a forty ounce. <laughs> that sure live, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> you would know if it's a forty, would you live? <laughs> hey, before no, man, we get out of here, let me throw this in here, big bro. Go ahead, Lil. What you gonna say? I said, no, man. We used to drink Boom Farm. <laughs> 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 hey man, check it out before Mark get up out of here, man. Don't forget y'all to shoot over there and get the culture, man. The world's first social distance device. Don't forget about the culture, man. You know I had to drop that right quick. Then go over to the website, check it out, www.culturedevices.com. It's your boy up, Robert Bobby Reed, man. It's Friday. Well, that's it for me, Lib. We have to get off and like you you just captured uh I mean Levi, you know. We can catch oh, that's going to be classic. But what I want to do is just put it behind them and, like, I want to challenge guys that I know we all got something to do. But we all know people who in the community will sponsor. What is that, man? That's it right there. That's it. That's it. That's the drink. That's the bottles. Well, we want to do, 
Um, I get a better picture of it though. Go ahead, let uh, just get us together and say, you know, we all know somebody that'll be a, a local sponsor. You know, if you walk up in there, live all the people, man, you a store around here. This is your community. I'm walking in here as Marcus Liberty to ask you to do that. They gonna they gonna do that for you. No question. No and question. I'm to do that, and then let's talk about building a place because Isaiah and I are in it. We're in it. You know, we got one court, you know, uh, and here you go again. I'm going to get off of this. The brother that created it, I can't credit it. I found it. And right. I watched it like about three weeks. And uh, the brother was incarcerated for 10 years. Wow. And he said the only thing they had was the court. And when they did, when they act crazy and they said, okay, y'all acting crazy, the court's not open. That's where he got the idea from. He's like, man, would nobody in that uh he was in would mess up because they wanted that court wow and he took that concept out to the streets where the kids was like man listen we ain't gonna swear you can't swear you can't smoke you can't drink and on the court that's dope that's good they police each other they like man that's how it's supposed to be they pull each other he said man don't come here swearing don't come in here smoking don't come in here cursing and they police each other because you see one of them slip. You know how ball players up there say, "Oh, the whole park will say, oh, it's working." You know what I'm saying? It's working. They don't come in there swearing. They they, they, they don't come in there drinking. And that's when I jumped on, like that. You know, it works. You know, so all I got to do is get it, start introducing guys and set a date where we can all. You know, just a date. I know a lot of guys busy, you know, or it's every Tuesday or every mm -hmm. other day where if you in town, I need you to come by the park. You know, everybody's there. The aldermen, all the guys, we got 50,000 police officers always there. So, you know, this is a way about getting kids off the street. This is unquestionably a way to get kids off the street, especially yeah. young, young kids, you know, so. I just need to get with you guys and let's share some emails and, and send this video and invite guys to do this. You know, I mean, all my DePaul guys, all your guys from Illinois. I mean, you got them in Chicago. Yep. You know, and uh, show them we're building courts. You know, use what you got. Get some people. I'm, I'm with. I'm with. Sponsor. You know, and I'm I'm dope with that, man. I mean, yeah. it, it works. Absolutely works. Yeah, but before we let you go, Mark, before we let you go, we got to talk about your blue demons, man. Uh, wow. What do you, wow. what you, what do you think? Uh, and you can be honest with us and your your, your honest opinion, because I was like that with Illinois when Illinois wasn't playing good. I was pissed. You know, I was I voiced my opinion like, man, we need to we need to get somebody in here that's going. You got you got one minute of this ain't you know, gonna make IT you know, playing and, and doing it. Hey, really good. The top thing one minute is that we lost Chicago, we lost DePaul. Meaning that we don't get in the community. I've been to more schools as a representative of DePaul than I've seen come from our school. I'm not talking about coaches. I'm talking about coming in, seeing moms, dads, saying hello to them, what's going on, knowing what exists. And as a university, we have no idea what exists inside of Chicago. We don't. We didn't. We are not giving Chicago any love anymore. As DePaul, we're not. That's the easiest and quickest way that I can give it to you. Wow. All right, man. Well, I know Bob wanted to put this on Instagram, right? Got to get on IG, man. We got to get out of here. We got one minute, Big Mark. We love you, man. I'm co-host Robert Bobby Reed. We got the legend, the NBA veteran. Schedule one next week with uh, Levi on it, man. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm with it. Yeah. All right, man. I love you, man. And uh, be safe, brother. All right, man. Teaching his speech to the streets, so it feel right. Marcus Liberty, a legend known and off the coat to give you 
Robert Reed is your co-host. Go, go, go. Like and subscribe and follow like a crossover. Never know what might fall through this bitch tomorrow. So, all ball Chicago. All ball Chicago. All ball Chicago. All I know is all ball Chicago. All ball Chicago. All ball Chicago. All ball Chicago. All I know is all ball Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.